0: Amen. Thank you, Denny and Angie. Thank you so much for all your work. And um, I just want to say I'm incredibly blessed to be here with you guys this morning. It really is a privilege. And as Denny's already shared, I'm not necessarily coming in the name of Adult and Teen Challenge, right? It's funny how people, you know, Pastor Chris, when they think of him, or uh, they might think, you know, Walker is a missionary, right? And that is correct. But Pastor Chris is a man. He's a he's a husband. He's a father, right? As is uh, as am I as well. And so I'm coming today as a brother. I'm coming today as a friend. I'm coming today as a man, as Denny shared, who's been redeemed right from the struggles of life controlling addiction. I know what it's like to be hopelessly addicted. I know what it's like um, to have family both enable me as well as eventually show me the, the, the actual love that I needed in order to, to change and so I don't come as an expert in the field of addiction. There are plenty of people with lots of letters before and after their names that can do that. I just come, uh, as Denny shared with a story, I come with with a deep conviction that Jesus Christ is the answer, right, for no matter what we face, no matter what issues uh, we are up against, especially in the realms of addiction. But before I get into that, I want to share, uh, I'm a as, as I said earlier, I'm a husband and I'm a dad and I have my family is over here, and um, I'm super excited that my wife and, and uh, children have come to join as well. Uh, we don't always get to travel together on Sunday mornings, but as they're here today, it just it's a blessing to my heart. And so uh, my wife also will help put some resources in your hand uh, later on if we need. So, um, oh, there, yeah, if you, see, if you can see a screen, look at there. There they are. And those kids are getting bigger by the second. My goodness. Alright, here we go. So, what we're going to talk about today is really exposing and understanding the nature of addiction. The nature of addiction. And first, we're actually going to uh, cover more the understanding. What is addiction? Right? What does it actually mean? And uh, the second part of the teaching or the second part of the, the the time together, the presentation is going to be more revolving on the topic of exposing. Okay? And so, with that, I just ask that um, you guys would... Uh, definitely uh, just ask the lord even ask the holy spirit what do you want me to hear from today you know, i'm going to share thousands of words up here okay in a, in a short amount of time we really are going to hit a whole lot but but god is going to hit you with something right and what is it that you need to hear for today as as pastor chris mentioned earlier you might not be struggling with this right and if that's the case praise god um but but by 2021 everybody knows someone right in their life who is working through this, struggling through this. And if you don't yet, uh, it just means you're, that bubble you live in is really amazing. <laughs> I don't know what that's like, but um, but it might get popped very soon. And um, you might have somebody in your family. You might have somebody in the workplace, neighbors, um, that are going to be, uh, you know, eventually you're going to hear that news. And the goal is that by the end of the day, you will know how to deal with them. You'll know exactly. You'll You'll be... You're not going to be a professional in this field, but you'll at least have enough understanding to say, you know what, I believe that I know how to move you closer uh, to this place of, of healing, okay? So, all right, first of all, we're going to start off with the definition of addiction, right? Um, what is an addiction? What is an addiction? And simply defined, what we, what we see is it's the condition of being physically and or mentally dependent, okay? Okay? Physically and or mentally, some addictions manifest themselves in a physical way, right? Alcoholism, drug addiction, right? Those are physical things that um, that take over your body, right? And they cause you to become dependent on a substance. Now, there's a separate side of addiction. That's the mental side, right? We talked about uh, physically addicted. There's mentally addicted. And so the physical is typically related to a substance that you introduce into your body on a daily basis or a very frequent basis. And the, then there's the mental side, right, which is more related to an activity. Okay, this is where, um, and I won't look at my teens specifically, right? I won't look back or, or to, to the left or to the right, right? So I'm not talking to you guys right now. But if I was to talk to the teens, this was where cell phone Potentially, right? Device, uh, video games, right? That's not a substance you're putting into your body. However, right, it does something for you, right? Now, before we think, i just you know going to pick on them. How many of y'all pick up your phone uh, umpteen thousand times a day as well? Okay, thank you for being honest, the eight of you in the room. <laughs> Amen. The other all, you might have not heard the, the sermon on brokenness. Huh? <laughs> all right. No, but addiction is simply that. It's, it's, simple, it's a physical or mental dependency with either a substance or an activity. And here's the kicker, right? This is where the addiction really comes in is when you're unable to stop without adverse negative effects, okay? Now, just for one second around your tables, just for one second, right? And then I'll call you right back in because as soon as the noise starts, it's hard to reel everybody back in. However... Um, just just talk to each other a little bit. And if you want to be vulnerable, you can. If you want to take a pass, uh, you don't have to, right? But is there something outside, I'm not talking drugs or alcohol, and if that is your story, you can share it as well for, for a quick second, right? But is there something that you've noticed that's wanted to creep into your life in, 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 a, in a form of, of an addiction, okay? Hey, my hand's going up right now. I drank an amazing cup of coffee this morning, And I have for quite a few years, okay? There you go. There's my confession. So just take a few seconds around the table. Is there something that you would say, you know what? This has
1: had an unhealthy grip on my heart.
0: All right. Hey, confession is good for the soul, isn't it? Don't you feel so much better already? Yeah. Amen. Group, group counseling here. Group therapy, right? All right. So how many of y'all said food? <laughs> no, I won't make you raise your hand. I'm, I'm that guy. All right. A good piece of chocolate in the afternoon. Man, I'm telling you. A, a good piece of chocolate. Not a good chocolate. Not just any old chocolate, but a good chocolate in the afternoon. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, thank God. I did for about 15 years. Um, I don't smoke those anymore, but I noticed in the afternoon, after a good meal and a cup of coffee, I just to the chocolate. And uh, just a little bit, just a little bit, right? Um, but here's the thing. These um, destructive behaviors, okay, not so much coffee or chocolate, although it can be addicting. These destructive behaviors are also called life-controlling issues. That's actually what we specialize in at Adult and Teen Challenge, right? We, we say, hey, we will help you. If you have a life-controlling addiction, right, or a life-controlling issue, this is, this is why we're here. But these life-controlling issues, what they do is they wreak havoc. They wreak absolute havoc on our personal lives as well as the people around us, right, uh, the relationships that we're in. And um, many of you... This morning, I want to just say this um, for what it's worth. This, is, this topic might be especially difficult for you. Right now, you might actually be walking through uh, an issue with somebody in your family. And, um, and so you're here today, and all you can think about is this loved one in your life. And so you understand full well. You could come up and teach the class as far as how this addiction has actually you know, wreaked havoc in the, in the relationships in your family. But this is what they do. Uh, some of the examples, I'll just go into the, the next part. Some of the examples of life controlling addictions can be things such as gambling, obviously, drugs and alcohol, we understand that. Um, unhealthy, immoral sexual behavior, uh, that can be very habit forming, very, very life controlling. Um, pornography, okay? Um, and even video games, right? Social media, internet, device addictions. Um, Adult and Teen Challenge just a couple years ago um, started accepting. Students into their adolescent programs for device addiction. This is a very true thing. It's a very real thing, and um, I, I understand that it's hard to do. It's like um, I had a, a guy who one time went through our ministry, and he was addicted to uh, prescription pills uh, for a long time. He had had a surgery, and and they were prescribed to him legally, and and um, but then he took that, went the extra mile, right, and it became uh, he started forging scripts, ended up in prison for a season, came out. And uh, he was talking to me one day, and I, and I never th- quite thought of it this way, but he said, Andy, you know, for so many guys, it's different. You know, guys coming through the Adult and Teen Challenge program because they, you know, you have to go to the dealer's house or you have to, you know, go somewhere to purchase this thing. But for me, I see, prescript- I see pharmacies on every corner. And it's just that reminder, right? And so there's so often these, these reminders that we see through life that want to take us back or, or, or that cause us to, to struggle and to work through these things. But life-controlling issues are exactly that. They control our lives, okay? And so I want to share um, some of the things that addictions have in common, okay? What, is it, what, what, do addictions, uh, what are some of the traits that you will see addictions have in common? And the first one is they have a, a temporary highs and rewards. Okay, there's a reason why we keep going back to this well. There's a reason why we do this, right? And I won't get into all the technical jargon of neurotransmitters and dopamine and all the physiological stuff concerning addiction, although that is, in effect, what what causes this, right? Your your brain gets taught over a period of time, this is good. So you do something, you like it, your brain goes, good. You say, great, I'm going to do it again. (laughs) And then you do it again. And then you do it again and again and again, right? And eventually, um, this is where there's a tolerance that actually uh, grows, right? That's number two, growing tolerance. We must increase these behaviors to get the same high or reward. And so what began as a simple indulgence in this, you know, once it began to escalate, which is the nature of addiction, addiction always escalates. It always increases. It never Dies down, goes away. It only gets more and more um, dominating. But you must increase the same behavior to get the the same higher reward. Um, The next thing that all addictions have in common is there's a negative impact, right? There's a spiritual, a physical, mental, emotional, and or social relational consequence. So temporary high reward, growing tolerance. Number three, negative impact. Number four, um, what addiction has. In common, all addictions have in common is there's a negative or unpleasant effect when we stop these behaviors that we call withdrawal. Some withdrawals are physical, alcohol withdrawal is 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 particularly very dangerous. Um, other drugs are are way more painful but not as medically dangerous. for example, heroin. heroin is one of those opiates that are very painful to get off it, but not as dangerous as for example, alcohol. However, withdrawal is that, that sense that so many uh, are, are left feeling empty. They feel void. When this thing has occupied such a place in your life to just remove it from you, you feel like you don't know who you are. Many enter into what we call an identity crisis. But the last thing, as you can see on your screens, is that addictions are idolatry. That's really what it is. Right There's a dependence on a substance activity instead of God. So talking about addiction as an idolatry, I'm going to give you guys just a second around the tables. Why do you think that we talk about addiction in the same uh, light as idolatry?
1: Just for a couple seconds around your table, talk about why do you think addiction is an idol? Okay, what uh, what have some of the things that you've heard around your tables? Give me, somebody shout out an answer.
0: We let it control you, uh, control us, yep. It takes God's place. Okay, ding, 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 that's a great answer, right? Um, I'll come back to that one in just one second. Number one place of your life in your heart, right? Which is controlling all that, absolutely. So, Let's, let's talk about that. What does God do for you? What does he do? Let's, okay, let's just, this is basic gospel 101. You ready? What did Jesus do when he came into your life? He, he saved you, right? Saved you from what? From negative stuff, right? From,
1: from hurt, from pain. From, so he saved you. He brought you peace, didn't he? What else did he do? He helped you cope with difficult times.
0: Did he not? Begin to think about this in the light of addiction, right? Why am I reaching out for this thing? Well, because it's, it's doing something for you. It gives you Jesus, right? God, he gives you identity. Does he not? Is your an identity as a believer? And often in, in the realm, in the world of addiction, we see that there's an identity that's also formed there. But the last thing is, and it's already been said a couple times in different ways, is God, right? He becomes your Lord. He is master, and you are servant. So when we say addiction is idolatry, we mean it. Addiction is, becomes Lord, you become servant. And it begins to, you begin to revolve your world around it. Okay? Okay? So again we're not just trying to be over dramatic we're really painting the picture that this is this is uh this is true. So um a couple extra notes there you guys can take these notes home with you and just refer back to them especially if uh if you know you're dealing with somebody or need to deal with somebody just a couple stats there's you know over 20 some million Americans right now that claim to have a dependency um to at least one um um yeah, to at least one addiction that they're battling, okay? Um, the Bible doesn't actually reference the word addiction, right? It doesn't use that actual word. However, it has a whole lot to say about the topic. And that verse on the bottom of your notes on the, on the very first page says it best. Listen to this. Let not sin, therefore, reign, reign in your mortal bodies. To make you obey... It's passions. Does that sound like an addiction? It does. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Here it is again. For sin will have no dominion over you. Sin having dominion over you is the picture of addiction, right? Since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, again, this is, for, this is uh, addiction in the context of believers. But, but listen, I go to churches every Sunday, many Sundays a month. I, I'm at different churches. I go to church youth camps in the summer sometimes. And, and to be honest, my message of freedom primarily comes to the church. I speak to the church all the time. Why? Because we're humans in a fallen world, and we struggle, right? I was talking to Pastor Chris earlier, and if I could just share this, you know, sometimes in the body, we're so good at putting on a mask, right? How are you doing, Jim? How are you doing, Bob? Great. How are you, Susie? Awesome. Thank you. Wonderful, you know. But really, we we all have things that we're working through. Amen? And so we understand that uh, Paul here in Romans 6 is actually speaking to believers. And he's saying, Be careful because there's things out there that will captivate you. Be careful because there's things out there that will try to control your life. So, addiction is idolatry. The next one is, if you can see the screens, addiction is a dictator. <laughs> Stalin. Yeah, there you go. We can call him my name Hitler, right? I don't even like saying that guy's name. Addiction is a dictator. So here, we're going to touch on this real quick. And a dictator, if he's left unchecked, it will gain control of everything. How many dictators do you know that just like partial control? It doesn't happen, right? So dictators, here's something we need to talk about to the church. You ready? Or just for everybody. Dictators come to power by offering simple solutions. They offer simple solutions a.k.a. lies, to complex problems by using fear. So they offer simple solutions to complex problems. Can I just tell you this? Uh, I, was, I was speaking with a, um, a probation officer a couple years ago, and this lady was telling me that the female jails and the female prisons, they, they can't build them fast enough in this country. And she said, do you want to know the number one reason
1: why? It's because of methamphetamines. But you know what methamphetamines do?
0: They make you not hungry. And because you're not hungry, you end up losing tons of weight. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm touching on a really touchy, sensitive I, uh, topic here. I get it, right? A very simple solution. To something complex. Women are told that unless they look like Barbie, they're no good. And, and, and therefore, what's going to help me get that, right? Well, the, I, I'm going to put this substance. And so many young teenage girls, women, begin their journey by simple weight loss. Just desire to look better. And you think, this is ludicrous. What woman would put meth in her body to look better? We've all seen where that ends. Right? And yet, it's a simple Lie, that offers something, it doesn't work. Hitler actually created his, uh, uh, Frederick Bayer was the chemist, right? Who, st- who actually developed what we call Pervitin. Pervitin was the, uh, it was a methamphetamine. It was, an, it was an amphetamine back in the 40s. And the, the, the hope was that it would cause the, the Nazi soldiers to stay up for days at a time. That's why it was created. So they could fight longer and win the battle. Soldiers wouldn't need sleep. <laughs> well, what happened to these poor men is they, they ended up crazy, right? They, they ended up struggling. But there was a, a simple lie that eventually took over. Here, we live in, in, a, in a, a, a community that is uh, RV industry, right? Peace rate. Is a big thing. The more I produce, the more I get. So if I can stay up longer, if I can work harder, I make more money. Money is the root. So the lie is that if I put the substance into my body, I will be able to work longer and harder. And it works for a season. So again, dictators awful, uh, offer simple solutions to complex, pro- to complex problems. But once they come to power, they make choices that benefit only themselves at your expense. Their concern is power, not your well being. So we kind of hit a, a broad stroke on addiction, what it is, right? It, it, it's just this either mental or physical. It is idolatry. We talked about it being a dictator, how it controls. So we've, in essence, we can understand a little bit better what addiction is. But now we want to kind of shift gears a little bit, right? Because what is the family's role? And either exposing or confronting um, addiction. Um, And don't raise your hands. But how many of you in this room have somebody in your family right now that
1: is struggling with an addiction? And here's the deal. This is where we
0: have to understand our role as the body of Christ.
1: The first step's. It's to learn to recognize the warning signs. So many more, in,
0: in this day and age that we live in, there's, there's many grandparents now that are raising children. This is a common theme now. And my heart, my hat is off to you. My heart is for you, you know, right? To, to love these children, to bring them up. And, and um, you guys are doing an amazing work. These grandparents that are filling that void, but but there's often a disconnect between generations, and many times the grandparents, you know, are far removed from uh, the day that we live in as far as some of the things that that teenagers are going through these days, and so they're not exactly going to know what to look for. And I've included a long list. There's actually 22 things here uh, on this list on the back of the second page, but. We're not going to talk about them today for time's sake, but really there's things that are there for school age, for teens, as well as for adults. But I'm going to tell you that most of the symptoms, they boil down to just a handful of noticeable signs, okay? All these 22 things that I listed out there for you guys, you can take home and look at as as you, feel, as you see fit. But what we're going to talk about for a few minutes is just what we notice right? in these signs, some of the biggest things. And the first one is erratic changes in lifestyle and relationships. Erratic. Erratic is a swerve. Erratic is, man, we were going this way, right? This is who Johnny or Susie always was. Sorry, if there's a John or Susie, I pick on you all the time because those are my two examples. I don't know why I'm stuck, right? But John, Johnny or Susie, they grew up in a good home and and they had things going for them, and they had friends, and they were doing well. And then all of a sudden, something changed. I can tell you the difference between my sixth grade year. Sixth grade for Andy Collins was honor roll. All A's in 1B or 2B. So it was honor roll, right? Sixth grade, take it or leave it. Seventh grade, I failed three classes. <laughs> And had to either repeat 7th grade or figure out a different schooling option. What happened? Tell me something massive didn't happen there. How do you go from honor roll to a handful of months later flunking classes, not caring, not showing up? Something happened, right? And so erratic changes, you know, things that you go, what? You know, in lifestyle or relationship. Number two, lack of self-care, which could affect eating or sleeping, right? You start seeing things and people and you go, man, you know, they just don't look the same. You know, their their hours have shifted. They've changed. They don't eat anymore. They eat too much or they don't sleep anymore or they sleep too much or whatever. So, again, um, lack of self-care. All of a sudden, they kind of let themselves go. The third one is probably one of the biggest indicators and if you don't hear anything else I say in the warning signs, you really need to hear this one. And it's isolation. It's isolation. Addiction loves to isolate. And can I tell you why? Because the devil, right, who's always seeking to devour, is it knows that there's strength in numbers. As long as you're in the context of this group or a group like this, he has a far lesser chance, (coughs) excuse me, a far lesser chance of convincing you about something. But the minute that that you believe the lie and that you begin to isolate, you drift off into a corner somewhere, you don't have these supporting voices in your life, and he can just pummel you.
1: And I mean pummel you. And the wages of sin is, and that is his ultimate goal.
0: So isolation, unhealthy isolation. Listen, if you want to, you know, wives, if your husband is asking to go hunting for a day by himself, he's not an addict. okay? Well, maybe he is, but yeah. (laughs) He's got to get that buck, right? Unhealthy, unhealthy isolation. Uh, The next one is a very key indicator, and that's financial crisis. Financial crisis. Now, again, you know, if your teenager comes and asks you for 20 bucks, that's perfectly normal. (laughs) Perfectly normal. But if your teenager is stealing 20 bucks out of your wallet, that's not, right? Financial crisis. If this person once, you know, had a home in a vehicle and, uh, you know, whatever, was able to uh, sustain themselves... And all of a sudden, they can't do that anymore. Something happened. What happened? Okay. Financial crisis. Huge warning sign. These are things we need to look at. And the last one, in the notes, I actually put, eyes are the gateway to the soul. I just want to say this for what it's worth. I remember the days when I would not want to look at my parents in the eye. I just would not want to look at them in the eye. Why? Because mom and dad loved Jesus. They were missionaries. They were pastor, mom and dad. And here's mess up son in that moment, being home. And man, I remember one specific moment. I'll share this just in a vulnerable moment. I remember one specific moment coming in from outside with my quote unquote buddies. And um, I walked into the kitchen and oh no, my mom was in there. And so I said, hey mom, you know, opened up the cupboard, put my head in there and looked for something. And she asked me a question like a good mom does. And I tried to answer from the cupboard. And then she said the words that I didn't want to hear. Look at me.
1: Um, yeah, mom, I'm a, you know, look at me. Boom. And she knew.
0: Eyes are the gateway to the soul. Your eyes, they, they say that a man full of the Holy Spirit is transparent. A person full of Jesus, full of life is see-through. You got, you got nothing to hide, right? But when you got stuff going on on the inside, You know, when you're avoiding eye contact all the time, or if your eyes are all of a sudden red and, you know, or puffy, or or pupils super dilated for no reason, no matter what the lighting is, things like that. Those are big warning signs, and you need to pay attention to them, okay? Um, And uh, on my screens here, the last one I put are patterns of denial and lying, okay? So it's, you know, and, and these are patterns again patterns you start observing lifestyle changes these are warning signs all of a sudden they're they're lying they're denying things they're you know you know that it's wrong or you know that you've caught them whatever you know but they just can't admit it so if you suspect your loved one might be struggling with a life controlling addiction or issue what do you do okay and what i'm going to uh, implore you today is by the time we're done, and we're going to talk a, a lot more about how to actually confront, the whole rest of this presentation is going to be how to confront, how to bring your loved one to that place of, of owning that they have an issue, of, of leading them to the place where they uh, will, will understand that they need help, and then uh, hopefully reach out for the right thing. But... Um, The family, right, as I already said, plays a significant role in bringing their loved one to a place of transformation for ultimate freedom. But for real transformation to take place, our role is to lovingly confront the issue. Now see, something we have to know is that this is harder to do. It's easy for us to do with people that we don't know. Okay? The more separation there is between you and And the person that you're, you know, devoting this attention to, the more separation there is, the easier it is to do. It is harder to do the closer you are. So husband to wife, wife to husband, um, parents to children, grandparents to grandchildren, right? The closer the family connection, this is harder to do. Why? Simply because a lot of us aren't actually good at confrontation. Why? Confrontation is hard. And so we typically go to two ditches, right? We go to the ditch of, I'm either going to avoid the situation because I don't know how to deal with it. So I might be fully aware. I've seen warning signs. I've, I've suspected. I might have even caught them already in some kind of something, right? But I don't know how to confront it. And it's, it's uncomfortable and there's just so much emotion tied to it. And so I'm just going to avoid it. That's one school. The other thing we do sometimes is an overreaction and we come out swinging. We're almost too harsh in the confrontation. You know, one time and you grab all your stuff and you're on the street, you know, which in some cases could be appropriate, but maybe not the first course of action, right? So the closest to us make it the hardest. But there's a saying in our world, and I want to give it to you: is that if there's no confrontation, there is no transformation. Where there is no confrontation, there is no transformation. Why? Why don't you answer that? Why don't you around the tables real quick? Let's talk about that. No confrontation, no transformation. Why do you think you need to confront in order for uh, for transformation
1: to take place? Go ahead. <coughs> Praise the Lord. You guys are awesome. What'd you come up with?
0: What'd you come up with? Somebody in the back, way back. I saw y'all talking.
1: Accountability. Beautiful. Yeah. They need to know
0: you know, right? That's what you said? Yeah, absolutely. They need to know that you know. This is so huge, right? It's almost like, yeah, if we can just play a game where I know you know and you know that I know, but, you know, let's just not talk about it, you know, then then I can stay in that place for a while. But the minute that you confront that, you're really saying, I know, right?
1: Over here. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to alter my powerpoint for next time. Yes. I like it.
0: No, that's uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, care confrontation. It really is. It's because you care that you confront, right? Let's just that's the basis. That's the motive, right? It's love. Everything we do in the
1: body of Christ is for love. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They keep on doing it, right? Yeah, hey,
0: listen, things grow in the dark. Things grow in the dark. It's like mold, right? Addiction, seriously, it grows. And, And guess what? Who is Jesus? The light. And so really, what we're saying is, hey, listen, I love you too much to let this ruin you. I love you so much that though this is hard and I'm not comfortable with this, I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with you, right? And we're going to say, hey, we're going to allow the light of Jesus to shine on this specific thing because it's got to stop. So no confrontation, no transformation. The next one I I, I want to share, if you look at the screens, this is a particularly challenging image, okay? But, But I put this in there for a reason, and I want to share that in, in the actual, in the gospel of Mark, what we see is that in the gospel of Mark, what we actually see, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in Mark chapter 3, I think it's, it's verse 5, right? Is Jesus actually says to them, he says to, the, um, uh, to this man in this situation, he says, stretch out your hand, stretch out
1: your hand. Now listen, this is powerful. Why? Because that withered hand
0: in the the story in the gospel of of Mark chapter 3, that withered hand for that man represented not only a physical handicap, but in the culture of the day, it also meant unemployment. It meant poverty. It meant he was an outcast, which meant there was a high degree of shame. High degree of shame that withered hand was a a source of shame for him. And Jesus, notice what he doesn't say. Hey, uh, you know, just meet me out back real quick. Meet me behind the temple for a second, and uh, you know, we'll take care of that. But shh, you know. No, he knows, Jesus knows what's happening. The Pharisees are actually watching to see if he's going to perform a miracle on the Sabbath. They're trying to trap him catch him so he knows that not only by doing this he's gonna catch some heat right from the religious leaders of the day but he wants to demonstrate the power of God he wants to demonstrate the power of God to all that are watching but in order to do that the hand has to come out he says extend the hand and so when the hand comes out all are seeing the shame this guy isn't hiding it anymore. It's out for all to see. And then in that moment, Jesus performs the miracle. And his hand is made straight or whatever it is. And next thing you know, all are praising God, right? Good stuff. Well, the Pharisees didn't appreciate it, obviously. But the man sure did. But I want to, I want to share this with you in context of our families, okay? In the context of your loved ones. Again, what we're talking about is exposing and confronting Carefronting, And in order for the miracle to happen, it might actually take you, right, loved one, mom, dad, husband, wife, grandparent, saying, put out your hand. Put out your hand for all to see. Now this, this addict isn't going to want to do that. They're going to want to keep their hand hidden because it's a source of shame, potential, you know, brokenness, outcastness, poverty for sure. Or whatever. And yet,
1: Jesus is saying for this miracle to happen, you might want to bring it out. Does that make sense? So let's not... Let's not...
0: Try to soften this in a way where we're not actually bringing them to that place of healing. The next slide, if you can see the screen. I tried to... (laughs) Google an image where it showed maybe the image on the right is more apparent trying to save a child, in this case a daughter. And listen, don't get me wrong, those moments on the right could also be viewed in the positive light, right? It's a mom having a great conversation with her daughter, and that's true. But for the sake of this slide, what I was going for was often families take on the Messiah complex. They take on the Jesus complex. And they try and they believe in their minds, in their hearts, that, that they have the ability to save their loved ones when in fact who needs to be their savior? Who needs to be their savior? One more time. Who needs to be their savior? Thank you. I know the snacks are starting to wear on you. So you need to ask yourself the question who needs to be their savior? Are you able to do it? I tell this to my, I I joke around, okay, so moms don't get offended. I joke around all the time that I have two enemies on this earth, Satan and enabling moms. Who don't want Johnny to grow up. There's Johnny again. Right? But who needs to be their Savior? And if it's truly Jesus, then that is going to affect our day-to-day approach on how we bring our loved ones to the feet of the Master. And I'll say this, and it says it in your notes, one of the greatest tests of your faith might be having to trust Jesus through the process. It might be having to trust Jesus through the, oh, I don't want Him to sleep outside. Trust Jesus. Oh, I don't want Him to lose His job. Trust Jesus. I don't want Him to go to jail. Trust
1: Jesus. I don't want her to lose her Trust Jesus. It's so hard to see our loved ones suffer. And yet, Jesus is healer.
0: Amen. So here, uh, I was having fun with PowerPoint. I figured out you could doodle on it. <laughs> Angie stretched me. She's like, I need a PowerPoint. It needs to be good. No, I'm, she didn't. <laughs> said, if it's not good, I'm going to send it back, Andy. Uh, no, she didn't. But... um. So I was like, you know what? I want to find an image where we see, you know, the root versus what's seen. And I want to share this, that in order to be effective, um, you know, family members who are helping, pushing our people towards healing, we first have to understand what the real issue is. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkymc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C dot From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.